Amen. God is good, isn't he? Let's try that again. God is good. All the time. God is good. Amen. I'm so thankful for that. We're, we're trying out a, a new mic wire this morning, so hopefully we can get all of those sound problems out of the way. If not, we, we've got another mic and we'll try that and we'll do it. I believe that God will speak to us regardless of the sound system. Amen. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for all that put in time and energy to make it as workable as we can in these days and in this day and age. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Romans. We're going to be bouncing through the book of Romans in chapter 8, a little bit in chapter 7, but if you go and turn there right now, uh, you'll be in the right place as we land on those spaces a little bit later. I also want to uh, encourage you and thank you for your faithful giving over this time. Uh, we, as you may have, may have noticed, maybe you haven't noticed, uh, we no longer pass the plates to try to be careful in what we're doing as well and all of the different hands and things that are touching that. But you have been faithful so much through this time and uh, we do have a place where you can drop your offering and your tithes out in the foyer as you come or as you go. And uh, there is a slot right by the office. If you want to come during the week and don't want to mail it, you can come right into the office, drop it in the slot. It stays private, and the counters will see it, and they'll take care of that as it needs. And I just want to say thank you for your faithful giving. We are working on some processes and some different things that will enable us to offer some online giving options for those of you that choose to do that. But really, when it comes down to it, we just want to say thank you for your faithfulness in your stewardship, your commitment to trusting the Lord with your finances and allowing the church to be blessed by your faithfulness. I thank you for that today. And so I want to encourage you, continue to bring your tithes and your offerings to the local storehouse. We thank you for that, and we want to make that as easy as we possibly can for you during these times. So thank you for that. I want to, I want to ask you a question this morning as we begin. How many of you this morning watched some form or listened to some form of the news this morning? Would you just show me your hands? A few of you this morning, yeah, this morning. Maybe you didn't, maybe you have a, a rule that Sunday you kind of cut that out, that's okay. But I don't know about you, but I'm going to start a series, as you can see from the screen, and if you have your bulletins ready and you want to take notes, you can do that. Um, we're going to start a series entitled, Positive is Greater Than Negative. And I want to start this series on a negative foot, okay? Some of you will get that a little bit later. I don't know about you, but I am sick and tired of all the negativity that we see every single day. Anybody else say amen to that? I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of the negativity. I'm tired of the doom and gloom. I'm tired of the, of the, the stresses of trying to just figure out all that this is crazy world is giving us. I'm tired of the negativity going on right now. And if you're taking notes, that's the first line right there. If you're tired of it, write that down. Are you tired of all the negativity? With that being said, I want to shift gears right off front right now. We're, we're getting past the negative part, amen? Amen, and we're moving, we're moving to the positive thing. So I want you to do some inventory in your life this week of what's happened. What is something good 
that has happened to you in this past week. Now, I don't want you to share that out loud right now. We have a great opportunity for you to share those times on Wednesday nights. At 6.30, you can come to the Connect the Power service, and we share those moments that we're thankful for. But I want you to think about this week, what has God done for you in your life that's been positive? If you're taking notes, jot that down. If you're watching online, I want to thank you for watching. Just write us a comment of something positive that's taken place in your life this week. Something that you can thank God for. Because it seems like everywhere we turn and everywhere we look, we see something negative happening. If you watch the news or you listen to the news, you hear about all of the people that, that are dying. You hear about the jobs that are vanishing. You hear about the economy that's struggling and whatever else the news wants to tell you. This time of year, we, we are inundated with political news as well and political uh, ads and, and back and forth. And it's just, it's one thing after another. Our nation is divided. There's deceit everywhere you turn. And if you really pay close enough attention to the news and the public world, you really believe that the end of the world is tomorrow. And it's so negative that you just got to get ready for the end of the world. It's coming. My, my daughter said something to me this week. She said, Dad, why why are people saying that Jesus is coming again soon right now? I said, Emma, it's because it's true. And it's been true for 2,000 years. Even when Jesus walked this earth, he told his disciples, I will come back soon. Let's make sure we're ready. Amen? Amen. I don't get too concerned about the timing. I know that there's things in prophecy that will tell us when we're in those times. And yes, there are things that are happening that show us that we're in those times. However, the most important part of it is not the the signs of the times. The most important part of that is your heart status. Are you right with God? Are you ready for the end of the world? So I told my daughter, I said, Emma... You're right, it's, 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 it's all over the place right now, but the reality of it is, if you read your Bible, it's been there for 2,000 years. Jesus is coming soon. We must be ready. We must be ready. So when we think about this aspect of life and the, the negativity that surrounds us, there's times when, I, when we experience fear, anxiety, worry, and I don't know about you, but maybe we begin to wonder, Will it ever be back to normal? Will it ever be back to normal? And so when I think about those questions and I think about that status of of our mental state, how can we experience joy in this season of life? I believe that we must continue to be wise. We must continue to stay positive in these days in which we live. But also, we must have an attitude of faith. Amen? We must have an attitude of faith. And what is that attitude? Here's what I want you to jot down if you're taking notes. An attitude of faith is this. A negative outlook will never lead us to a positive life. Some of us need to hear that today. A negative outlook will never lead us to a positive life. Today, I want to share with you one reason from God's Word that makes me unshakably certain and optimistic and positive about our future. I don't know about you, but I've had enough of the bad news. Amen? So I want us to to pray together real quick before we go any further. God, would you come right now?
And would you change our hearts right now? If we've come into this place with a negative mindset, would you, would you just con- continue to help us to shift our focus? Would you help us to take every thought captive and make it obedient to you? God, I pray that it would be your word that we hear today. That it would be your word that would help to shape our outlook on this life we live. And when it's all said and done, we will be unshakably sure of what you're doing in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As you know, if you've, if you've been listening to me preach uh, for any length of time, you know that I like to give us a little bit of both sides of the coin, so to speak. And so I believe if we're going to talk about living a positive life, we need to talk about what positivity is not or optimism is not in order for us to really understand what it is. So let's first start there. What positivity is not? Okay, let's, let's talk about this for a minute. Positivity is not a denial of reality. In other words, it's not about having an attitude that says, you know what, everything's just, it's, it's all good. We're going to be okay. It's okay. This is really no big deal. And it's not just, positivity is not a denial of what's really going on. It's okay to say those things if you mean them. It's okay to say, you know what, this really isn't a big deal if you're really putting your trust and your hope in Jesus Christ. Amen? We're not denying that there's a real world out there, that there is evil and hatred and and there's a lot of negative things going on, but we're also not going to put our heads in the sand and say, you know what, I'm just going to put my head over here, I'm going to just forget about all of that, and I'm going to deny it's even going on so I can stay positive. That's not what positivity is. We must also realize that positivity is not simply blind faith. Simply blind faith. We've all heard the sayings over this time frame that, you know, we, we've got to fight, fight both sides and we just have to have more faith. And, and sometimes we have a blind faith of, well, I don't even know what I'm going into. And we have this naive hope. Well, I, I, I went to church one time and so if they believe that and it's true, then maybe I have this, this blind faith of that it is going to be okay. And I, I can just kind of hope so. Or I, I wish that this would all just go away. I I really wish that I could just change the last seven months and just flip the script. I, I really just wish that I could have this, this blind faith, not really knowing what's going to happen. But I want you to know something. I'm the president of that club, so you can't be, okay? I've tried to find any lamp, any magic lamp that I can find and rub it and wish this thing to go away. Anybody else in that same camp? Nobody, okay. Whew. David, it's going to be a tough day, I tell you what. I wish that we could go back to March and start over. But the reality of it is, is that's, that's not reality. Here we are, October of 2020. The worst year we've ever seen in our lives. Now, there's been other people that have experienced far worse, but I'm not going to sit here and wish and, and depend on a blind faith to be positive. That's not what positivity is. It doesn't work. So let's look at what positivity really is. 
Positivity is this. This is how the, the dictionary defines positivity. Confidence about the future or a successful outcome. Positivity is confidence about the future or a successful outcome. That's pretty good definition. But I want to I twist that definition a little bit for us that consider ourselves faith-filled followers of Christ. And if you're not a follower of Christ today, then I really hope and pray that you can examine your heart and through the help of the Holy Spirit, he can guide you to be able to claim this next definition as yours as well. But here's what positivity should be and is for the faith-filled believer. The unwavering expectation that our loving God is working in every situation for our future good. Let me say that again. Positivity is, for the faith-filled believer, the unwavering expectation that our loving God is working in every situation for our future good. This is why I personally have an unshakable outlook on the positivity of the future. This is the reason right here. Let's look at God's word and see what it says from Romans 8 to find some great truth to help us to see how positivity is greater than negativity. Amen? Amen. Romans 8, 28. You all knew where we were going. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Let's read that again. And we know, say this with me, in all things. Say it again. In all things. Say it again. In all things. So let me pause there for a minute. What does in all things mean for you today? Because here's the thing. In all things means what it says. In all things means when you're going to work and you have that impossible boss at work that just keeps hounding you and hounding you and hounding you. In all things, God works. When you're, when you're dealing with situations that you never thought and dreamed you'd be dealing with in life, in all things. If you've lost your job and you don't have to deal with that horrible boss anymore, but now you've got financial troubles due to all that's going on, in all things, God works. Maybe you're, you've been kind of bottled up and you've been with some family members that you're not used to spending a lot of time with. And you're about to just, Lose it. In all things. In all things. Even when there's people in my life that I struggle to get along with at times. In all things. God works. In all things. Wow. Maybe you have teenagers. Enough said, right? In all things. <laughs> in all things. I can't believe my, my youngest son, he keeps reminding me, Dad, I'm in the youth group now. I'm like, man. The other day he said, yeah, you got three teenagers, Dad. I said, no, we do not. You be quiet, boy. You are 12. You are not a teenager yet. You are not growing up that fast. All the parents that love their kids said amen, right? In all things, 
in seasons of life that we have struggles with. Maybe you have irritating, irritating inconveniences happening in your life. Maybe you've been handed a crushing disappointment in your life. Insert whatever you need it to be because God's word says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What I believe we need to realize today is simply this, even in a negative situation, even a negative situation still holds the potential to produce a positive purpose. Despite all the negativity around us, we can have an unwavering expectation that our loving God is working in all things for our future good. So I want to take a moment and pause. We've done this before here at PCN, and I want to do it again today. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but I think it's important that we do this. We need to think about what we think about. We need to take inventory where we've been dwelling our thought life at. We need to take inventory of the thoughts that we've had this past week, this past month, this even maybe this past morning. How do you see your future in light of how you've been thinking? Are your thoughts concerned with negativity and, and worry and fear and anxiety, all of the, the bad news that's out there? What is consuming your mind? You see, what consumes our mind will likely be controlling our life. And the life that we have now is a reflection of the thoughts that we're thinking. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And all the women said, yeah, great, I don't have to worry about this one, right? No, 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 no. That's why we have translations of the scripture. <laughs> as everyone thinks in their heart, so he is. What are you thinking about? What are you thinking about? There's some truth in our negative world in which we live. Negativity can creep in, it can consume our lives, it can consume everything if we're not careful. The reality is, is that the world is in trouble. Sometimes we really do wonder, can we really trust anyone anymore? These circumstances in which we're living are too hard to bear sometimes. So how can we, in the midst of all of this, have the best, most positive day ever? How can that be? The quality of your life today will never exceed the quality of your thoughts. Let me say that again. The quality of your life today will never exceed the quality of your thoughts. You cannot have a great positive life if all you think about is negative and hardships. It's impossible. I wouldn't be, I wanted to skip this part of my message today. I, I wanted to just skip right over and I, I want to skip it because it's about me. So I'm going to let you listen in because I need this again today. And maybe you're like me and you need to hear this as well. But I believe I wouldn't be doing my job today if we didn't talk about the other side of the coin. It's easy for, for optimists to love a sermon like this because they are eternally always positive. And I love to have those people in my life that are always have a smile on their face. They, they love life no matter, no matter what happened to them right before you saw them. I just, I just love that. But I'm not that type of person. 
So if you're like me and you have a slant towards pessimism, I mean reality, I don't know what you want to call it, negativity, let's see if God can help us this morning as well. I needed to hear this, so I'm not just preaching at you, I'm preaching to me and you just get to listen in. Here's the problem with those of us that are pessimistic. Pessimists tend to view negative events as personal and permanent. That hurts me. I I wrote in my notes, ouch. Because if you're like me, if you have a slant towards negativity and, and pessimism, we tend to take things personal when bad things happen to us. I sit here and think I'm in, my family's in quarantine 3.0. Why? I'm not living in sin. There's nothing, there's nothing that, that's there that's hindering my, my walk with the Lord. Why are, why are my kids having to go through this again? Why are these bad things happening to me? And I take it personally. Who came into my house and planted COVID in my house? I want to find out now. It's personal. But then I also think, man, is this ever going to end? It's going to be permanent. If it's personal, we think, you know what? Maybe it's my fault. Maybe I messed up. Maybe I did something that I shouldn't have done. Maybe I'm the one to blame. And it becomes permanent when we take that a step further and we say, you know what? These bad things always happen to me. I always find myself in a situation where it's just always going to be bad. It's never going to change. I'm always going to be viewed in this light. I'm not good enough. I can't figure this out. And we become the victim every single time. So which side of the coin are you feeling today? The question becomes, what are you feeding your mind? Are you feeding fear or are you feeding faith? Here's the thing. Here's what you need to know. This is a very simple simple concept to grasp. Whatever you feed grows. Let me back up to those. If you've had teenagers, you know what I'm talking about. If you feed them, they tend to keep growing and they need more food. But if you starve something, it dies. So are we feeding fear by constantly consuming our mind with negativity? Are we continuing to allow it to grow and grow and grow? The Bible says to beware of the weeds, amen, with the wheat. And don't let the weeds choke out the life of the wheat, the good. It's the same thing. It's the same concept. So what do we need to do to starve the fear and feed the faith? We've got to start realizing and thinking about this this situation that happens in each of our lives. Being content, being satisfied... Being blessed, being optimistic or positive is not a state of affairs. It's not about your circumstances that allows us to be content and positive. It's a state of mind. It's a state of mind. What consumes your thoughts will most likely control your life. So how do I feed faith and starve fear? Let me just share with you what I tend to do. And maybe this will help you. Maybe you have a better situation. I don't know. But this is what I tend to do. If I need to starve fear, one of the things that I have to do is I have to limit my consumption 
of things of this world. I have to limit my consumption of the news. Now, I love to know what's going on. I love to get updates. I love to read the headlines. I love to go find an interesting article about current events. I love that kind of stuff, but I can't let it consume my mind. So I've got to give myself a certain amount of time so that I'm aware of what's happening around me, but I can't let it consume me. One thing you will never find in my office is you will never find my computer or a screen that constantly has the news on. I just can't do that. Personally, I've got to starve that aspect of my life. I've got to limit my consumption of the negative things in my life. And I've got to begin to feed my faith. Well, how do I do that? For me, it's right here. There's, ten, there's times when I've gotten into the office where I didn't want to open this book. I didn't want to get into this. I've got too much to do. I've got my to-do list that just keeps running off the page. I don't want to get into this book. And every time I have that feeling or that thought come through my mind, I purposely have four or five Bibles sitting on my desks. <laughs> Why? Because I'm always within reach of grabbing his word. And I begin to open it and I begin to read it. And guess what? I reread it. And I keep reading it. Why? I want to read this so much that it begins to read me. What does that mean? That means that I'm in this so much that I'm digesting this. That it becomes everything that I am. That the outflow of me is this. Amen? How do I feed faith? I get into his word. You see, we're looking at Romans 8 this morning. When I get into God's word and I begin to, to feed my faith... I read it, and I read it, and I read it. Well, one thing I read God's Word for is I read God's Word for the context in which it was written, okay? Let me give you a little bit of a, a, a Bible reading lesson here for a minute. When you read Scripture, you need to read it for what is really happening when it was written, okay? That's one part of reading Scripture, and I'm so thankful that the Bible is alive and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword and it still applies to us today. But I want to read and know what they were going through then so it can help me now. And so as I'm reading Romans 8, I'm sitting there thinking, well, Romans 8 comes right after what? Romans 7, yeah, in, in America we count 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, right? What comes after Romans 8? What? You guys are confused on this? What comes after Romans 8? 9! Thank you so much! Romans 9. So if I'm reading Romans 8, I'm realizing that Paul is writing this letter, and he's writing the letter to the church in Rome, and he's beginning to feed his faith in Romans 8. And we're going to get that in just a minute. But if I read Romans 8, I need to know what happened in Romans 7. And as you read Romans 7, you see that Paul... The author of this letter is a mess. He is a mess. Spiritually, mentally, physically, he's just in a bad place. I don't want to compare it to, to 2020 for us, but he's just in a, in a really tough place. Let me refresh your memory of Romans 7. Go read it. Make sure I'm not giving you something that 
isn't true, but I'm trying to paraphrase for the content of this message. Romans 7, Paul's talking about the things that he wants to do for living for Christ he can't do, and the things that he doesn't want to do and he wants to avoid, he tends to find himself always doing. And so he's just back and forth in Romans 7. I want to do this, but I can't, and I always find myself over here doing the things that I don't want to do, but I really want to be over here. And he's just in this mental turmoil, this physical turmoil. He's a mess in Romans 7. And he goes through all of Romans 7 and we read the, the, the issues that he's dealing with and then we come to Romans 8 verse 1. Fred mentioned it Wednesday night and we see Paul shift his mindset. He's taking every thought captive and he begins to make it, he begins to make it obedient. In Romans 8 1 he says, Now, now there is no condemnation that means there is, there is no hell for those that come to know and live for Jesus Christ. There's no, there's no negative result or end game if you are living for Jesus Christ. And Paul begins to feed his faith in Romans 8, 1, as he, no condemnation. I'm going to set my mind on the things of the Spirit and not the things of the flesh. Because when my mind is set on the Spirit, I have a life of peace and optimism, and positivity. And then we continue in Romans 8, and we read this from Paul in Romans 8, 18. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Let me stop here for a moment. When I feed my faith, I get into its word, his word, I read it, I reread it. So here we go. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Let me read that again. I consider that our present sufferings, what are you going through right now? What's our world dealing with right now? Present sufferings. I consider that our present sufferings, what we're going through right now is not worth anything Compared to the glory that will be revealed, it doesn't say will be revealed in the world. It says it will be revealed in us. Wow. This present struggle that we're in doesn't even compare to what God's going to do in and through us so that his glory will be revealed in our lives to those around us. Wow. That's good news. That's reason to be more positive than negative, amen? I consider that our present sufferings are not worth it. We gotta remind ourselves who's writing this letter, it's Paul. Paul suffered some sufferings. He was in prison multiple times. Five times that we, that we read about, he endured 40 lashes of physical punishment and penalty. Three times he was beaten with rods. He was stoned and left for dead. He was shipwrecked on his way to an island and he spent the night floating at sea. He was on the Titanic before Titanic. He was holding on to whatever he could to survive. His present sufferings. Are you following me? Are you tracking with me? This guy's been through it. He was betrayed and beaten and left for dead. So you see, our present sufferings, what Paul's writing about here, are not worth comparing to his coming glory. 
So where are you today? How are you hurting? What have you lost? What hardship are you dealing with right now? (laughs) The struggle that you're in today is producing the strength you need for tomorrow. Personalize that. Say this in your head with me. The struggle I'm in today is producing the strength I need tomorrow. Well, pastor, the Bible says don't worry about tomorrow. It's got enough worries of its own. Yeah, it does. But if it's got enough worries already and I actually get there, I better have some strength to face it. Amen? The struggle I'm in today is producing the strength I need tomorrow. That's why I have an unshakable certainty to be positive in this world today. As a believer of Jesus Christ, I have an unwavering expectation that our loving God is working in every situation, in all our present sufferings. Why? For our future good. Amen? We have to starve our fears and begin to feed our faith. I've said it before, I'll say it again this morning. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And so you might be sitting there receiving this today and saying, Pastor, I can't seem to stop feeding my fears. I keep feeding them, I keep going back to them, I can't shake it. Well, guess what? Romans 8.26 helps us. Let's keep reading it. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Have you felt weak this week? Have you struggled with negativity in your life this week? Well, the bad news is we have no way to combat negativity. I'm just so sad that we just have to deal with this ho-hum, negative world we live in. We have no hope. We have nothing that can help us. Oh, wait. I believe in Jesus. I believe in his word. I believe that it can help us. I believe in his Holy Spirit that says right here, in the same way, when I'm feeling weak, the Spirit helps me. Wow. Well, you're the pastor. Yeah, you've got the Spirit. Yeah, but guess what? So do you. The same Spirit, the same resurrection power that we sang about is available to all of us. You can personalize this. In the same way, the Spirit helps you in your weakness. You got to let it. You got to let it. You got to trust it. You got to live it out in your life. But the good news is if you feel incapable, if you feel unsure, uncertain, worn out, you're tired of the negativity going on, the good news is you are never alone in your present sufferings. Amen? <laughs> Some people have said this saying, and and I've probably caught myself saying it before as well. You know what? God doesn't help those that help themselves. Has anybody ever heard that? God God doesn't need to help those that help themselves. And I struggle with that because it's not what the Bible says. The Bible tells us, Scripture tells us, that God helps those who need His help. Amen? When you're hurting... 
He's your comfort. When you're confused and you're struggling, guess what? He's your guide. When you're feeling discouraged, he's your hope. When you're feeling anxious, he's your peace. When you're feeling weak, he is your strength. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Here's the bottom line right now. In the days that are so good that you absolutely love life and you are so thankful to be alive and on this earth, God is good. In those days that you endure and you are so thankful to make it to your pillow that night, God is still good. Even in the inconveniences of life, even in the inconveniences of this world of what we're going through, God is good. In the crushing disappointments of our life, God is good. <laughs> Some might say that the key to being more positive in life is you just need to lower your expectations. That's, that came from a pessimist. It had to, amen? The key to being positive is just lower your expectations. If your expectations are lowered, you won't be disappointed. I don't believe that's what God calls us to. We need to raise our expectations in the presence and the power and the faithfulness of our God who is good all the time. <laughs> Some of us have been saying this a lot lately. I'm trusting God, but I really, really hope things go back to normal. I really, really hope they go back to normal. Guess what? When things were normal, you still complained about your life. You'd come in on a Sunday, how's it going? Oh, just same old, same old. You want that? I believe that God wants us to have something that's better than what normal used to be. Amen? And I believe that in the power and the presence and the purpose of God, we need to raise our expectations, not to settle for going back to normal, but saying, God, what do you have for us that's better than normal? Amen? <laughs> oh, God, help us. We must lift up the name of Jesus. And when we lift up the name of Jesus, we don't want to go back to normal. We are going to be positive that we're going to go to better than normal. Amen? So as faith-filled believers and followers of Jesus Christ, would you join me today in having an unwavering expectation that our loving God is working in every situation for our future good. That's why we can be positive instead of negative. Amen? Would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray for us as we go Yes.
Yes, yes. Yeah, if you didn't hear that, um, Aaron and Diane have accepted a call to be on staff at Wichita First Church of the Nazarene, and they have gone, and uh, they're looking forward to some great days there, and I'm so thankful and, and, and excited for them. Uh, I was talking uh, to their family, and I was talking about Wichita, and we have ties to Wichita, and I'm so excited for them. I'm excited that it's just, oh, God is good. He's good. And so would we agree together as we pray this closing prayer? We're going to pray a prayer of sending for them and trusting that the Lord will use them in a mighty way in a, again, a traditionally, historically great church. But God's on the move there as well. And I'm excited for them. I'm excited for Wichita First Church as they receive them. Let's pray together. God, we love you and we are so thankful for your love for us. We, we joke and kid about the blessings that sometimes become irritating <laughs> with, with family. And God, I've been arguing all this week that I just want to go see my family. I want to be irritated by my dad. I want to be irritated by my brother. And God, I'm thankful for those times when we can experience those true feelings of love. The good the hard, the bad, and we can thank you for it. Today, God, I pray that as we leave this place, you would help us to take every thought captive, to make it obedient to you so that we can be positive instead of negative. And God, today we pray, <laughs> we pray for Aaron, we pray for Diane, Lord, we ask that you would go before them, that you continue to pave a way, that you would make it clear for them, that you would use them in a mighty way, that you would continue to equip them and empower them to serve you. God, I pray a blessing over their children. I pray that you would prepare friends for their kids already, that they would be there ready to receive them and take them in and, and make them their family away from family. God, what a blessing your church is. No matter where it is, we find the family that you've placed there for us. I pray you would bless their ministry, bless their home, bless their family that's here. God, we love you and we thank you for the opportunity. We ask you to use it for your glory, for your honor, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed together by saying amen and amen. Thank you for coming. We'll see you tonight at 6.30. We ask you to exit the building for your fellowship.